Welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm Gavin. And our, we, are, we are three for three as of two weeks in a row or three weeks in a row. Three out of three is pretty damn good. We're switching up meatloaf. Uh, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing, I'm doing quite well. How about yourself? Great, great. We have a, uh, a special episode today. This kind of, last week was your idea. This week, I think, is both of our ideas because you technically planted the seed in my head. And then this week happened to be 2-22-22. And so that gave us the inspiration to do the episode we're doing today, which, once again, as you always point out, we act like it's a secret and we're about to drop it, but technically we... <laughs> post online what it is so uh anywho we'll get to that in a minute uh what's new with you uh you know i i did a great hike yesterday took a little break from work and did a it turned out to be close to seven and a half miles up to the hollywood sign dang through the bronson uh bronson trail which is where they used to shoot the old adam west batman Mm. didn't get to see those caves but it was uh it was a great hike. I'm feeling good today. Needed a lot of uh, water. Oh, um, holy dehydration, Batman! <laughs> but uh, awesome. That's great. We we love. How about you? Like, what's what's going on with you? I'm, you know, same old, same old. Just uh, doing what I do. Uh, yeah, nothing really new here. Uh, what I do here? There's a diner now in Murphy's. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a gun. That was just, I couldn't believe it when we saw that one day we're driving by. Uh, so long story short, Gavin made a joke that he was going to come up to the Murphy's Diner where I live. But once again, everybody, I live in the middle of nowhere, up in Calaveras County, up in the mountains. Uh, and he's like, well, I'm going to go to the Murphy's Diner. And I'm like, hey, there is no Murphy's Diner. And we had one breakfast spot, right? Well, one day I'm driving by on the highway and the breakfast spot is now officially Murphy's Diner. New ownership. So we haven't been there yet. We don't really uh, necessarily go out to eat a lot, especially when you have uh, both sets of parents in like a 10 minute radius and they just always want to cook for you. So we really like haven't done that much dining out here, even though that's kind of all there really is to do up here is there's a lot of wineries and then vineyards and restaurants. That's what this is kind of. And it's become especially since COVID, it's become a Bay Area escape area uh area here i am repeating myself so a lot of bay area peeps that especially as work switched over to being remote a lot of them came up here and bought property and stuff and it's kind of a nice getaway from the city once again great place to retire to or great place to have like a vacation home like i was very blessed as a child uh my family had a cabin farther north but i mean like 20 minutes from where i am now once again, we never traveled anywhere because we just had the family cabin and it was a great escape. And But to live up here full time, especially, I mean, if if all you want to do is work, hunt, uh, go fishing and hiking, then, yeah, you could just be up here full time. But for especially for me, obviously, what are my hobbies like, you know. I, I love exploring other cultures and traveling and doing martial arts and uh exploring you know other languages cuisine uh any sort of thing i can get my hands on in that sense so up here uh it's sort of a lack of diversity in that sense well it sounds like you could also just uh, pitched a great action film i already see the lead character all he likes to do is hunt and work and fish and then of course some nefarious character comes to town and they meet at the diner okay or they uh kidnap his daughter and then he's got to push an suv down the side of a mountain with no motor yes. in it. yeah uh, it's that it's that isolated it's as isolated as commando yes yes you can smell um, them coming from downwind you what do you mean you smelled them i did something along those lines it's been you know it's been too long the fact that i'm messing up commando quotes uh, i definitely need to rewatch that so in in honor of all the twos mm-hmm. I'm just going to ask you like a couple of sequel questions or let's, and let's be clear for audience members, we're not talking about trilogies or, I mean, there could be a trilogy series, but we're all, we're talking about just number twos in films. Are there, are there any franchises that you really like? And within that, like the number two really stands out for you. I mean, or or franchise that you don't like, but that number two film just stands out for you. Well, one of my all time favorite movies would probably be in a top 10 for me. And that's one thing I wanted, I need to do one of these days. And a coworker of mine randomly dropped on me, excuse me, coworker, uh, I'm the manager of a gym. And one of our members 
uh, it came up that I had a podcast and then after his workout, he stops by and he's like, hey, you know a Jackie Chan movie I really like? Well, first thing he asked me is, what's your favorite martial arts movie? And I'm like, oh, damn, that's always such a hard question. Yeah. And he kind of laughed. Not but he's like, that's not a fair question. Yeah. He's like, hey, you know a Jackie Chan movie I really liked? And I thought he was going to say, he's like, Wheels on Meals. And I was like, what? I was just so surprised he had seen it. But it was on Amazon Prime for a minute, so that's probably how. But uh, I don't know why that necessarily popped in my head, but it made me think I really need to have a better answer for favorite martial arts movie in that same sense. I need to do a, just a top 10 list of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. And this sequel, I think, would make it on there. Uh, and that's Terminator 2. Okay. Oh, that's a, oh, yeah. Yeah. Terminator, Terminator 2 is one of my all time favorite movies. And I think maybe the greatest sequel of all time in the sense of the first one was so solid, but the second one did everything right in the sense of making it bigger and more extravagant and not ruining it, just improving it and taking, once again, the first one had a good story. The second one has a great, amazing story, but adds heart to it as well. And soul, you know what I mean? Here yeah, it is. It, it's, it's a film centered on a robot, uh, but it gives it soul, you know what I mean? And so I love Terminator two, but more in the realm of, movies we talk about and so forth so even specifically martial arts i and i've talked about this i think previously i am a much bigger fan of drunken master 2 than i am the original drunken master of the two seasonal films ones with jackie and ncu and i i love snake in eagle shadow i don't know just i i still don't get me wrong i love drunken master but it just didn't have that same wow factor for me and so drunken master 2 is definitely my preferred film uh, in terms of other martial arts films where I think the second one might possibly be better and this could be a controversial statement because I love the first one but I really like uh, Return to the 36th Chamber oh that, yeah. yeah that's a good that's a that's an interesting uh, selection there yeah so uh, I mean there's all sorts of ones in fact I kind of thought you might ask this and I started making a list the other day <laughs> what else do I have on there uh Oh, yeah. So and without a doubt, without a doubt, the best, I think, maybe martial arts uh, sequel in comparison to the first one is uh, Operation Condor. I absolutely I mean, it doesn't mean Armor of God's a great movie. Right. But Operation Condor is just another example similar to Terminator 2, how they just took what was amazing about the first one, made it even better and then added on to it as well. No, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. I mean, and and, and like what I, the films that I want to mention, it's not that the first film is the first film in the series aren't necessarily groundbreaking. Like for instance, police story two. I love that film. I think it's as close to a, um, sort of like a mission impossible, uh, 24 Jack Bauer, but with Jackie Chan, mm. I love that. But I mean, project, uh, I mean, sorry, police story one is a groundbreaking film. So it's a, it's a armor of God is, is a fantastic film. It's a, it's a, I, I truly enjoy that film, but operation condor is, is, is like Terminator two, where it's just this fantastic piece. And you accidentally just mentioned project a, which makes me think we all know how much I love. So I completely forgot about this project a two might actually be in comparison to the first one for me, the best martial arts movie sequel. Cause as we know, for some reason, I'm just not a fan of the original project a, I think that has to do with the fact that the first time I saw it was the terrible Miramax English dub version from the late nineties, but just project a two, I, I just, we I, I love and you know you raise a good point there. This is uh, for, uh, for for our fans who are for martial art film fans uh, who have friends who are outside of the martial arts realm and trying to and we're trying to you know you're trying to convince them to come over to martial art films and like to watch a few. If the first film they watch, and perhaps sometimes we need to address this in, in a podcast episode, but if the first film they watch is a is not the right release, it can really. Uh, be a roadblock, speed bump, hindrance to them ever coming over. Because I, the the Project A version that I saw was the Japanese version, and I thought like when I saw it, it was amazing. Now Project A two is a fantastic sequel, but even a even a hardcore martial arts fan like you are, AJ, getting turned off by the wrong, slightly wrong release, you know, wrong dubbing, wrong soundtrack, wrong you know re edits from Project A. 
even turning off a fan like you just shows how non-fans can get turned off completely mm-hmm. from a genre. If you, if like you're, hey, you got to check out Jackie Chan. Let me put on the medallion for you. Forget <laughs> it. Man, and that, that reminds me, and I think I talked about this recently also, it's crazy how far removed we are now from Jackie Chan being the mainstream biggest like action star in America and on the planet with this, when he had his mid nineties, uh, just phenomenal, uh, boom here in America. But cause I think I, I may have mentioned this before I was signing up a, a young kid at the gym, only like 17, uh, with, uh, an adult obviously or whatever. And another kid was there too. I think it was two of them signing up and pretty much I made some sort of reference to Jackie Chan and the kid was like, the 17 year old was like, who's Jackie Chan? And I just like, what? And then the other kid's like, oh, remember, he's that guy from uh, Rush Hour. So at least the uh-huh. other, so like Rush Hour, because that's what surprised me is even if, you know, you're 20 years removed, Rush Hour is a staple classic of like American action cinema and comedy. It's just kind of, most people are going to end up seeing that throughout their lives, right? But it's just funny how far removed he is from being in the mainstream now. You know what I mean? He is no longer part of the discussion of action movies and so forth, really for these younger audiences. Cause unfortunately they missed out on the, the key years. You know, even me, I came in at the end of the golden era of Jackie Chan and I feel so blessed that I got to experience that. But once again, I kind of digress because what I was going to bring up is when it came to these Miramax and dimension releases, uh, sometimes the English dub version was actually better. It had better music and uh, it was almost mm-hmm. a better cut too. Uh, my classic example is I think the best version of Fist of Legend with Jet Li is the Miramax or Dimension, I think was the, the parent or the uh, partner company they released it through. Uh, that version I think is the best one. Yes, Billy Chow's English dub voice, uh, is there a problem? Was very cheesy and over the top. But aside from that, the cut, the music, I think just accentuated the film. Other versions like Project A just completely ruined it, Uh, especially because they I'm pretty sure they had that one guy who dubbed. uh, So Jackie did a lot of his own dubs for these uh, American re-releases, especially the ones going into theaters uh, like the movie we're going to talk to about today, like Operation Condor and even Operation Condor 2. He did his own dub, which I believe went straight to VHS. They may have thought about doing in theaters and didn't. But then other ones like Project A crime story uh and a few others they would dub him in police story when they did that first initial english dub uh or i shouldn't say first probably the first one for the american market it, it was the guy's voice where i'm not sure if you know what i'm talking about but no it, he kind of talked like this and i am yeah, duh. and it was like who's what who like See, what always bothered me about that guy and with i don't know who he is so nothing personal if you're listening to this podcast but what always bothered me about using that character that that actor was he was like a jackie chan impersonator right doing and a so they're really yeah, they're bad using impersonation Jack- and then so you but then with the rest of the dub it's like uh i i don't know how better to say this but perfect american english so you have one character doing a sounding like a, a really poor jackie chan impersonator with broken english than every every other uh Hong Kong character is uh, dubbed in perfect English. This isn't the case for all of the films, like the ones we're going to discuss today. I think there are there's some other key uh, uh, actors dubbing themselves as well, or or it's just a, just a better product. But yes, I agree with you completely. That one, whenever I would hear that actor, I would just turn it off because I would just rather <laughs> watch the Chinese version with subtitles. Right, and then uh, final note for martial arts sequels that I think are maybe better from the original when the original was a fantastic movie would be, and I once again rediscovered these movies with the new Criterion release, but Once Upon a Time in China 2. Yes. Simply because of the pacing, I feel like. The first one, that's what hindered the first one, I feel, for me, it's it's kind of a slow burn, even though artistically there's some just beautiful stuff in the first one that the, the, the rain scene. Exactly. And of course there's, of course yeah. there's you and Bial, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's a more cohesive film. The, the yes. second film. Yes. Uh, of course I couldn't uh, not talk about sequels if we don't mention uh martial law Two undercover with Cynthia Rothrock and Jeff Wayne That's where we disagree. My friend, that's what, well, but the, it's still the, a great movie, but the first one is the, the first one is a, is a better, is a 
better shot film. And uh, uh, Steve McQueen, Chad McQueen is great, but there, I, I, I think that Jeff Pruitt had more of a hand involved in the sequel. And so the, the martial arts overall is a little more fun to watch for me. And then also, like, I'm sorry, like Jeff Wincott's great in that film. Yeah, and Jeff Wincott and Jeff Pruitt had a good, good working relationship. Jeff Wincott uh, was the better martial artist, but I feel that. Jeff Pruitt was still honing his craft because when you go a few years later and watch Buffy, that's when he had he honed oh, yeah. his craft on the B movie straight to videos. And by the time they got to Buffy, especially with Sophia Crawford doubling his wife, yes, uh, doubling Sarah Michelle Gellar, man, those those fight scenes were incredible. And on that bigger budget, obviously, but Martial Law One, there was something about so once again. Jeff Wincott is the better martial artist in comparison to Chad McQueen, but Chad McQueen just had some sort of almost like it factor in you could, he was a real life martial artist, but more so like a point karate type guy, but they knew how to utilize that on film. And if I'm not mistaken, the first one, was it Philip Tan, I think was the fight choreographer. Yeah. And I feel like he, there's some great sequences with Philip Tan. I feel like he just had more experience at that point and he had more big budget experience. He had worked on movies like Batman, Tango and Cash you know, these big uh, action films. And I, I feel think, like the first movie, the first one's fight scenes are just a little bit slicker. So I, I and, and, and then my defense of martial law too, is if you're going to sit down and watch a movie over, there is, there is a, an element of martial law too, that is slightly more watchable. It could be the funny, it could be that it's a little uh, more fun to watch, but also it could, I, I kind of, Sometimes think the the scenes of David Carradine kind of uh, run out of oxygen. Now imagine if instead of David Carradine in the first one, they had had Billy Drago in the first one. Oh come on, that yeah. would be great. That would be great. Should we should we start to talk about what we're? Let's talk we're, about what we're going to talk about. So. In honor of 2-22-22 and the number two and sequels and even though it's not a sequel but doubling and everything, we are talking about the 1992 Jackie Chan action comedy extraordinaire Twin Dragons. An absolutely fun film. Whether fun, you're watching fun, the, fun. Directed, the original. Oh yeah, yeah directed, directed by two. Directed by two legends of Hong Kong cinema, but in actuality, let's let's face it. Anytime it's a Jackie movie and he's not directing, you know the action scenes. He's going to have a big hand in, if not the ultimate hand. But on paper, two amazing directors, Choi Hark and Ringo Lam. May he rest in peace. Uh, and their styles combined. Now, it's said that Choi Hark uh, has said that. Uh, Ringo Lamb did most of the action directing. Mm-hmm. And I would have to say, uh, I, I think I can, I think all of the action in the middle, Ringo Lamb did, but I just have this gut feeling that the first big fight scene of the movie and the mm-hmm. last big fight scene of the movie have that Choi Hark feel to me. You're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's uh, particularly when it gets to the combat and the camera angles. Yes. Although I would say in the final fight sequence, uh, once they get into the the car testing zone uh, with the seatbelt testing zone, there does have a little bit of Ringo Lamb feel with the way uh, their explosions. And, yes, and, precisely. And the glass flying everywhere. Yeah. Hence, all it's, the middle action is like Ringo Lamb with the shootouts and the car chases. Yes. And yeah. And, and so, what uh, I mean, what I would my first initial take on Twin Dragons is there are a lot of familiar faces in this film and we will talk about those familiar faces but what's unique about this film from a Jackie Chan perspective is the familiar faces are for the most part outside of his usual circle Mm -hmm. and much like I would say Eastern Condors and uh, Dragons Forever. This is almost this is a who's who of Hong Kong cinema but it's a who's who of of the cinema world that was running parallel with Jackie Chan, Sammo Hung, and Sammo Hung in the 80s. And Sammo Hung would sometimes dip back and forth between these realms to an extent, mm-hmm. but this is this is the parallel wor- world that converged in 1992. You, you nailed it, and it's very similar, but uh, similar to, say, The Millionaire's Express, in which Sammo had, did that, where it's like a who's who of, pretty much the only person not in Millionaire's Express is Jackie Chan, 
and Sam Mo took the Golden Harvest crew. And at that time, what was still, it was like the very end of the Shaw Brothers still being the Shaw Brothers. So he did mix predominantly mm-hmm. Golden Harvest, but did have a lot of the Shaw Brothers guys in there too, which was kind of like, whoa, this is cool. By the time 1992 rolls around, Golden Harvest is still the major film studio. Uh, Shaw Brothers had kind of wrapped up film production almost by the mid 80s in, in a sense, right? They were switching over to TVB and television production. Uh, once again, people be like, no, they made this movie. It's like, yes, I get it. But they were no longer the Shaw Brothers of old. So the the biggest difference, though, is in Millionaire's Express, all of these cameos or extended cameos or whatever, you see the people throughout the whole movie. This film, it's blink and you miss them. And I mean blink and you miss them. And I remember originally reading that this film was made for charity. And so I, w- I was still able to find that. But I remember it being made as a charity to benefit uh, victims of some sort of typhoon or hurricane. But then I just reread that it was actually made as a charitable effort for the Hong Kong Directors Guild. So yes. I, I don't know which one is true. Maybe it's a mix of both. But either which way, the fact that it was a charitable film made for charity, hence why all these people probably came and did it for free. But in a sense, also, it's like, hey, I can't stick around that long. Hence why you have Blink and You Miss It cameos. So for example, uh, once you get a certain point in this movie, and if you're a fan of the genre, you're going to be looking for people. Sure, there's people that have more of your standard type cameo, like Eric Tang, where he's on the phone and mm-hmm. you know he's there for at least like a minute. You know, the back and forth. Oh, okay, and, and that and that's one scene I much prefer in uh, Cantonese because there's something special about Eric Tang's voice and comedic timing. But still. Just, just had to throw that in there. Right. And then there's other ones like super blank and you miss cameos like John Woo as the priest at the end. Now, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if and we'll get to this later, if the Hong Kong version has him in it any longer. But boom, blank and you miss him. And also during the orchestra scene, there's Hong Kong stuntmen hit in there like Lao Gar Wing. So we mm-hmm. see his older brother, Lao Gar Long, the famous Shaw Brothers director and uh, sometimes star as the doctor. And I know his part is cut down in the U.S. version. There's an yeah. extended thing with him and Wong Jing in the Hong Kong one that they cut out. But even still, you get to actually see him in the American cut, say a few lines, and that's that. Uh, but, for example, his brother in the orchestra scene, it's like, don't, don't. You see him confused as uh, the wrong Jackie is trying to conduct the orchestra. So there's a lot of these little ones like that thrown out. The, yeah, there's some great. The, uh, the name is eluding me, but the tuba player. He, at one point, he's like looking to the side. I'm like, oh, I, know, I recognize that actor. Right. And I can't. I'm, I'm blanking. I'm really sorry that I'm blanking. I, I can't I, think of who it was. Who it was because I don't even remember. So <laughs> can, can I tell you my my favorite cameo? And when I saw him, it was like through through his through me for a slight loop was uh, Dennis Chang. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Chan Kwok San, right? Or Dennis Chan Master Sian. Yes, from yeah. the from the Kickboxer series, and it's, mm-hmm. it was great to like. I know I've seen him. We've seen him outside of the Kickboxer series, but it was really great to see him in the heart of a Hong Kong film that is uh, built around cameos. It's always so weird to see him in Hong Kong movies because he's usually playing kind of like a prick, <laughs> or like yes. even when I think of, I think it was in Heart of Dragon where he's the. I think he's the restaurant manager. That's the total a-hole to mentally challenge Samo or mm-hmm. uh, something along those lines. But then because instinctively you think of him as Master Xian, right? Or Xian or however anybody wants to pronounce it throughout those movies. The stoic, you know, almost uh, Zen Muay Thai instructor who's obviously not Thai or doing Muay Thai. But, you know, <laughs> we still love the character yes. in the movies. Uh, but, yeah, he's a great one. My personal favorite, I think, is – and. You know what? I would have loved to see him star in more as an actor is Choi Hark himself, who at the end is playing poker. Oh, yeah. It's Choi That's Hark, a- uh, Ng Siyun, and uh, uh, Ringo Lam. Yeah. So uh, once again, the aforementioned Ng Siyun, we talked about him earlier, producer, director, seasonal films. So the three of them are playing poker and they each keep trying to cheat. And there's just something so wacky about Choi Hark. That's why one of the reasons I love Yes, Madam and his role in that movie, which is uh, it's an actual role. I think sometimes it's credited as a cameo, even though he's one of the main characters of the film. But there's just something so anti-leading man about him that I would have loved to have seen him in more like comedies and so forth. Yeah, I it just seeing the the poker scene where they're each trying to you know every time someone comes into the factory they're they're trying to distract each other and look at the cards. Uh, 
just seeing him in that factory makes me think he must be extremely fun and expressive as a director and can really pull performances out of his cast because of his ability to express to come up to, you know to express himself have that kind of comedic timing it was just yeah that's a that's a great pick for a cameo of course uh we also have uh, we also have the recently deceased in the film yes Troy um, Yun, uh yeah. well-known Shaw Brothers director and actor I instinctively always think of him as the villain <laughs> from Police Story and then part of, of Police Story Part 2 he popped up in all sorts of movies, though, as an actor as well, but he just recently passed away. In this, he's one of the more extended roles, right? He's, yeah. for lack of a better, <laughs> trying to marry off his daughter, let's put it nicely, uh, to Jackie's character, the orchestra player, uh, or the orchestra conductor, excuse me, piano player. So, uh, yeah, he's one that uh, is, you know, coincidentally just passed away. A lot of the legends are leaving us as, you know, we time progresses. But really, let's let's break down what the movie's about. So this film capitalized on uh, what would be the success and popularity of Van Damme's Double Impact, in which he played twins separated at birth. This mm-hmm. film uh, takes that exact same plot element. Probably, to- probably at the same hospital, too, yeah. that they got separated. <laughs> and whereas Double Impact resolves the issue right at the beginning when they're adults and reunited. This film is a comedy of errors, which takes about not until the third act that even the, the, the Jackie's really kind of, I'd say more, it's like halfway through the film, the Jackie's figure out what's going on. And then it is until the final act that everybody else knows what's going on. So, I mean, the basic plot is they're twins born into a hospital uh, to very wealthy parents. And then uh, there's like a, a criminal that's in there escapes uh, takes one of the babies hostage. He's being chased by David Chang, once again, the Shaw Brothers Kung Fu star. And he manages to, uh, like, rescue. Or they, they end up catching the bad guy, but the baby slips away in a carriage. And then, like, a drunk lady finds him before the rest can, and she takes him away and raises him. So one baby's raised in America with his super rich parents uh, getting classically trained in music and becomes this world famous famous pianist and conductor. Whereas the other one is a tough guy, con man, street hustler who's super good at martial arts and kung fu. But you know, he's a beer drinking, cigarette smoking, womanizing uh, Jackie Chan. Whereas the other one's this very proper, uh, uh, gentleman like softer Jackie Chan, a true yin and yang element going on. Yeah, and, and both both characters, we've seen elements of these characters and other roles he's played, but I think the freedom of playing twins and also being forced to play them so opposite, we get to see Jackie play a grittier, not, not the world's best ethics character, but very loyal to his friends. And then we also get to see him play this, this very refined kind of... Uh, kind of slightly comedic character who but who also has great ethics and guess what this is jackie getting to do two like things that either he always wanted to do or couldn't get away with doing without upsetting his audience by having the two separate jackies right Mm -hmm. and everybody has a yin and yang side to them and this is almost like he's split into two so previously bad guy jackie or slightly unethical jackie or womanizing jackie audiences wouldn't accept especially in japan right his so that's one of the reasons why they feel uh, Dragons Forever didn't perform as well in the box office because Jackie was this kind of, I hate to say sleazebag, uh, but kind of, you know, slightly unethical womanizing lawyer, right? You know, mm-hmm. he's still good hearted Jackie, but he'll do whatever it takes to win the case. He's a criminal uh, defender, which already mm-hmm. makes him kind of, you know, untrustworthy. He's a womanizer. And it was said that audiences just couldn't accept this Jackie and just didn't like it. It, also, it was such a, it was such a huge change of pace. Right. And he, uh, he, he was, he was cast as an antihero yeah. rather than like, and it, he had to be coaxed over to doing the right thing. And also Jackie had always wanted to do uh, like kind of non-action roles. Right. Or even we know how much he loves musicals. Now, Maybe my all-time favorite Jackie Chan movie is Miracles, and I absolutely mm-hmm. love that movie, and it worked, and it won a bunch of awards. But if I'm not mistaken, I'm not even sure how well that one did in the box office. So here we get the other Jackie character where he's a conductor, right? It's, and he's very proper, and it's maybe even part of that is a subconscious 
kind of biographical element of Jackie not having, he lived more the life of the, uh, 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 oh, I'm trying to think of the English dub names now for, so for the piano player is John and then John Ma and Booma. Oh yeah. So Boomer in the English version. So whereas he was raised more like Boomer, like poor dirt, dirt, poor street kid, you know, raised in the opera here, he's got John is this you know, rich, upper-class musician and had everything handed to him, but still a very good person, right? So it's kind of like maybe there's a bit of that uh, subconscious desire to have had that growing up, to have maybe been able to experience that side of life and not had to have gone through the hardships. So that's why Jackie gets to do these two polar opposite characters and it totally works and audiences accept it because that is the whole gimmick of the movie. Yes. And it's the film is so well balanced. Obviously, there's there's a comedic element in here, but the comedic element is. Is broad and also at I mean, obviously, it goes kind of crazy and over the top when you got these twin sequences. But there's there's it's it's a little the comedy is action comedy. It's also a little bit of spoof comedy and it's also a little bit broad so it's not uh it's not diving into the stephen chow and michael hui comedy you nailed that emerged from hong kong this is a very broad comedy and a lot of fun and it doesn't you know um what i liked about this film was this tone that maintains through the entire film the only kind of glitches you see are the maybe the technological glitches when jackie is interacting with himself and sometimes even though they're they're on the screen together their eye line might be slightly off you know and that's yeah, just, even that's then, though it's like as we mentioned before recording it wasn't that bad and even double yeah. impact had its moments they're you know they're still utilizing the same old school film technology that they've been using since the advent of film. I mean, you go yes. back to uh, uh, the parent trap, the original parent trap with Haley Mills, right? And it's the, the same sort of camera tricks they had been using back then. Uh, you know, this is still pre a digital era uh, in a sense, whereas now that would all be done digital, no problem. But you nailed it by stating it. It's not the Stephen Chow, Mole Tao, like, you know, uh, very Hong Kong specific humor. This is broad slapstick uh comedy of errors this whole thing mm-hmm. is a comedy of errors uh, as we mentioned unlike double impact which is not a comedy at all it has a yeah. few moments that play on the twin aspect but this one is just straight up slapstick comedy of errors like whoops john someone thinks john's boomer yeah. again or someone thinks boomer's john and the pace yeah. is just so fast it's, now it's, in the, in it's the english classic. dub go, go ahead, ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay, in the English dub, it's implied at one point that it's a day later, but I don't think so. I think it's the narrative of the film is supposed to take place in like 24 hours. It's in one day. It's the day where John comes back to Hong Kong for the first time since his birth, and then right out the get-go, him and Boomer – well, actually, no, I take that back. So obviously the movie starts with Boomer in Hong Kong like the day before. So Mm -hmm. maybe it is a couple days, but as soon as both twins are in the picture – then it's just like all within a period of one day and it's wham, bam, thank you, man. One gimmick after another, just nonstop. So the pacing is very fast. And I mean that in a good way, because with this kind of movie, we're not trying to, you know, create this storyline or narrative that's going to be emotionally moving or have to have this incredible structure in a sense, or, you know, it's just, we know what we're in for in this movie and it does a great job of capitalizing on this style of comedy and action and giving the viewers what they want. It's, it's, you're absolutely right. It's, it is, it's like a French farce. It's almost like watching even very, very good British comedy like Faulty Towers when it comes to the broad humor and the pace, except the pace becomes very, the, the comedy takes on a, a, a faster physical aspect. And, and, um, what I really liked about this film uh, is what you mentioned, the pace. And it's not just the pace of the comedy, but the pace of the action scenes. There isn't much breathing room within the action scenes. Uh, even even the very first uh, sequence uh, where Jackie Chan shows up with his friend at, at, uh, at this nightclub and they have this uh, like 
brawl with the gang, the pacing is just absolutely fantastic. And also the way it's shot is different from a lot of Jackie films. Mm-hmm. Uh, the There's one sequence where um, I think... Um, I'm blanking on the character, but I think he there's there's half a broken table with glass and they're going right towards the camera. And Jackie is, you know, slipping, dodging, weaving. And there's this aspect where um, it just the camera angles are slightly different than a Jackie film. The the editing is slightly different, but the choreography is clearly Jackie. And so it's like you've got the camera work and the editing of Ringo Lamb or Choi Hark plus Jackie's choreography. And it's like this perfect marriage of pace. Right. And you nailed it. And we had been talking about it before, how Choi Choi Hark stated how uh, Ringo Lamb did most of the action. And we we feel that the opening fight sequence in the club where uh, Jackie, where the boomer character is going to help uh, his friend Tyson, uh, played by, or Tarzan, I guess, in the... uh, Hong Kong version played by Teddy Robin. My first time ever seeing Teddy Robin being like, who is this little person? But uh, I'm not sure if he's technically a little person. I don't think so, uh, but I'm not sure. But he's a famous musician, actor in Hong Kong. Uh, But so they go in and that fight sequence has the Jackie choreography, like you said, uh, and it has the Choi Hark type slickness to it. The rest Mm -hmm. of the action in the middle feels much more like uh, Ringo Lamb. It's big shootouts and the chase scenes and this more kind of gritty street it's, action. It's so great. The, the the car chase sequence in particular, what I really liked about that, it is like watching a Ringo Lamb film with, uh, say, Chow Yun-Fat, except let's remove Chow Yun-Fat and let's put uh, Jackie Chan but not in typical Jackie Chan, Roberto Benigni, Jackie Chan in this sequence where he's so afraid of being identified. So he puts on his sunglasses yep. and he has like a, he's wearing like a, an ascot or a scarf and he puts that under his, under his sunglasses. So he's covering his nose and he's like the way he's just, uh, just trying to get out of everything, putting the seat back, climbing uh, behind the seat, trying to hide, trying to scurry out of the uh, sequence. It's just, really uh so it's such a great juxtaposition of like this this dangerous action that Ringo Lamb directs and you've thrown in a a comedian right in the middle Mm -hmm. uh uh, who who has great physical comedic ability and like you said Jackie is finally able to play a character that doesn't need to rely on his action skills and it it creates this very interesting dichotomy because typically even in a previous, you know, say Jackie picture or something, perhaps everything that was going on around him wouldn't have even been as serious. But this is like gritty, violent stuff going on. But then you have comical Jackie, right? And I feel like the reason that the tone, the comical tone works throughout the whole film too and doesn't, uh, you know, fall into the mole tao or the, the really over-the-top Cantonese-style comedy is because of Jackie's own personal style and connection to obviously, you know, uh, classic Hollywood cinema, silent cinema, Mm -hmm. comedy styles of Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton. And we get that same element here. And even Buster Keaton in his films, you know, you watch a movie like the general, which, you know, is for those of you who haven't seen it, go watch the general. It, it, It has one of the biggest like stunt sequences ever on film. And it's just Buster Keaton, like doing his usual Buster Keaton comedy, but with this very serious stuff going on all around him, right? Yeah, it, you you definitely you're, you're you're absolutely correct. This is Buster Keaton. This is Harold Harold Lloyd. This is Dick Van Dyke. This is this is the role that Jackie probably wanted to play for a very long time. And as we speak about, as we talk about this, and as you brought up earlier, it's like resonating with me even more. This is the one he wanted to play, and it's a it's a movie where he gets to just be pure comedy. He doesn't have to punch back, kick back, or anything. Uh, with that said, I actually have a question for you. Would you say that there may be some of Jackie's best kicks in this film? He does some very interesting uh, kind of, uh, I think in, in some circles, the Wing, Wing Chun calls it the turn kick, where it's like it comes up like a front kick 
And yes, and you see this even in modern kickboxer and MMA, they do like the question mark kick or what our sensei calls the under over, where it's you bring up like a front kick, then you come around with a roundhouse kick. This is different. You bring up the front kick, then you come around with what would be like a, a crescent kick, almost mm-hmm. like a reverse crescent kick. Uh, so he does a lot of those. So like a twist kick, that's what I think it's called sometimes. Uh, so he does some great kicking stuff now. And usually it's just, it's little subtle things. Like even when for the short bit at the end, when, uh, uh, John is trapped in that cage and then, no, excuse me, Boomer's trapped in the cage and John is forced to fight, uh, Wong Lung Wai or Johnny Wong, who I mentioned Mm -hmm. last week as one of my honorable henchmen. And then, so Boomer in the cage does the jump spinning wheel kick. And then John does it too. That's a great kick right there. And it's just so quick and like, there's no emphasis put on it. It's not like a Van Damme slow-mo thing, but mm-hmm. I did notice that as well, that a lot of the, the, the quick little kick bits are fantastic. And it's once again, hence why Jackie made your list of the top 10 kickers. Did he make my list? I don't think he did. I don't I think remember. He was and I mean, mention. I feel like it, and he was, he was close to being on my list. Uh, not being on my list, like being on my honorable mention, just because he's the complete package. And so often we don't see his kicks, but you know what I really liked, and this might go back to Choi Hark or Ringo Lamb's shooting style or the director of photography. Uh, the angles were slightly different. So what we actually saw, like in that, that kick that you just mentioned, we almost saw that like uh, Daniel Bernhardt line. Ah, and also in the opening sequence, there's like uh, he throws two pretty fan- phenomenal kicks. Where I think when we when we think of like particular actors like Jean Claude Van Damme or Yoon Bia, or we'll, 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 we will instantly think of a specific kick. Like you think of uh, Yoon Bia, you think about the 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 writing wrongs kick, or you know, uh, among many others. But like with Jackie Chan, you don't necessarily like have this moment where you think, oh, Jackie Chan, he's such a great kicker. He is. But this film actually took, uh, highlighted his kicks in a way that uh, that I feel like some of his other films didn't. Now, again, I think his other, they're, they're great kicks in other films, but he's just such a complete fighter. And you see that in this film as well. well. But this, the way it was shot slightly lower or slightly off angle, just kind of captures something we haven't seen all the time. And I'm trying to remember because uh, I watched this in two segments. So the opening fight sequence, I didn't get the chance to watch again before our recording, but I think he does that left leg crescent to like break a bottle and then comes around yes. with the jump spinning wheel kick, which yes. is an amazing kick and really hard to pull off so beautifully. And he does, he does it so eloquently, eloquently and just makes it look, fa- and that is done in slow motion, right? And mm-hmm. it just goes to show, like you're saying, how good of a kicker he is. But we think of these other kickers of Hong Kong cinema, Donnie Yen, his jump triple <laughs> uh, sidekick, right? Classic, like Huang Jing Li. But he also did so many aerial kicks and stuff. UN Biao's classic kick at the end of righting wrongs. Uh, I mean, Tan Tao Liang, like doing the, you know, pop, 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 pop. And then you've got Casanova Wong's jump spinning kicks. Oh, yeah. But Jackie, it's like, huh. Or even Sammo, you think his sidekicks, right? They're just so powerful because Sammo made your list. And Sammo's double hop keto uh, front kick to the face. But Jackie <laughs> has done so many incredible kicks. But, it, you know, and maybe even his reputation's hindered slightly by that big final kick of Dragons Forever not even being him. You know, when it does mm-hmm. the pulled out mm-hmm. shot in full speed, you're like, oh, that's yeah. a double, obviously. But, uh, yeah, so I think you bring up an excellent point of this yeah, it, it, was a highlight a, reel for him. Yeah, he has, he has great lines in this film. I mean, the last time I can th- when if you're asking me to pinpoint a time where I think of him with his great lines, it's uh, with Samos directing in Wheels and Meals slash Spartan X, where you get to see this length of his. But even then, uh, yeah, this film just highlights. There's, a, there's another kick that he does where he breaks uh, some of the glass that's coming toward, uh, like a glass table that's coming yeah. towards him. It just... Yeah, there's, there's some just great lines, and it's uh, he does some uh, great sweeps too, like uh, yes, in does. the finale, like flows, right? Sweep to a high kick or high to a low, and I think that also has to do with this time. We're looking at 1992, pre, you know, because even as as far ahead as Gorgeous, you know, he was still doing incredible kicks, but he had already aged to his you know mid 40s by that point. 1992, he's still technically in his 30s. And the thing you have to remember about Jackie in comparison to other stars or even like Sam or Yun Biao is 
the amount of damage he did to his body doing just regular stunts. I mean, they all did, but Jackie took it to a whole nother level. And so even in a lot of his American movies, you get to see him do some great kicking or, uh, but it just, maybe some of the speed wasn't there. Some of the explosiveness wasn't there simply because he got older, still better than almost all his American counterparts. But here we're still seeing prime Jackie display some amazing kicks. And And it's also pre ankle injury of rumble in the Bronx, which as we all know had a huge effect. Yes. And, and I think, you know, working with uh, Johnny Wang is not something we got to see often or if ever with Jackie Chan. And they just had really great on screen, like understanding of each other. It's 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 as if they had worked together multiple times. And he also uh, did a good job of doing contemporary style action when we yes. classically know him as a Shaw Brothers performer. Some of the Shaw Brothers guys like I mean, even I hate to say it, Gordon Liu never really was able to naturally transition into more of the, as we like to call the Hong Kong kickboxing style choreography. And even Lao Gar Wing did a good job, but Mm -hmm. was very Kung Fu dominant in his moves still. Like for example, he's fantastic in a film like Skinny Tiger, Fatty Dragon or in uh, My Lucky Stars at the end where he's the one with the patch, right? But Mm -hmm. even his sequences are still very traditional Kung Fu heavy. It's not like he's got a stance like, bah, bah, you know, jab, cross, left hook. Whereas that's what we see from, uh, Johnny Wong here, right? We see him with classic two hands up, one at the chin, one in the front, you know, boom, punch, kick, combos. So I was very impressed by that. Well, you know what I what I also like that there is a sequence uh, oh, where Rocky, the character Rocky, I forget who played Rocky. Oh, yeah. The, so that, Maggie the, Chung's... Uh, not Maggie Chung. No, sorry, Nina oh, yeah, Lee Chi's Nina Lee yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, loser biker boyfriend. So obviously she her character goes for these types, hence why she falls for Boomer so hard. But when so there's a sequence where Jackie Chan is fighting uh, the character played by or the the character Rocky, and it is reminiscent or uh, sort of a preview, I guess, of uh, Jackie Chan and City Hunter with he and uh, uh, Gary Daniels, sort of the the dodging the mm-hmm. whole like this guy who's just coming at him and he's like, who are you? But it it sets up this moment of of not having to fight back and just dodging. And I love watching the dodging, the slipping, the bobbing, the weaving that, and I mean, it's not at the same level as with Gary Daniels, but it's, it's kind of longer. So it's kind of a, a fun sequence to watch. Um, so uh, that, that's, that's a nice, uh, that was a nice sequence in the middle of the film where it's not just, uh, it's not just going to be a quick action sequence. We're going to, we're going to prolong this just a little bit and have a little fun, little comedic timing. And, you know, I think one reason this film is is kind of falls into that classic zone, or if not classic zone, at least into that like guilty pleasure, totally rewatchable multiple times. Always, you're always going to laugh, you're always going to smile. It's that it seamlessly navigates multiple genres: action comedy, a little bit of drama, uh, broad comedy. Uh, it has even romantic comedy in it. It just covers everything. And there's there's great set pieces. There's great action sequences, uh, cars, boats. There's the, the classic uh, boatyard action sequence. Then we go into a factory and the, the factory is a Mitsubishi testing site. And like even the, the sequences where then they go into the, the, the room that's testing the Mitsubishis for... Uh, for heat resistance, just visually with the red lights around. It's just really extremely well shot, navigates, pulls in all the elements and the set pieces from different types of action films you would see, plops in some romantic comedy, plops in some great uh, comedic timing. So like, like I said, it just, it's, it seamlessly goes through uh, all the genres and unlike some some American films, but also unlike a lot of Hong Kong films, it isn't action, hit the brakes, comedy, hit the brakes, action. It's just seamlessly interwoven. Mm-hmm. Very well stated, my friend. Uh, yeah, so we've, we've covered most of the elements of the movie, the action sequences, the fight sequences, the basic plot, the extended cameos. And yes, there's a ton we didn't mention. People are going to be like, well, you didn't bring up, uh, you know, well, it's like, yes, I know. We're not going to mention every single one, but just go ahead and look at the cast list on IMDb. Uh, obviously, our two main romantic interests are Maggie Chung, the 
constant Jackie Chan co-star who she's like this, the, you know, the low class singing lady who falls for the high class uh, John. Then you've got mm-hmm. Nina Lee Chi who plays the high class lady whose dad's Troy Yuen trying to hook her up with John. But then she falls for uh, the not high class uh, uh, boomer. Is boomer. that Wang Ming? Yeah, boomer. So boomer. Uh, and obviously Nina Lee Chi being, I hate to say most famous, but probably most famous for being the wife of Jet Li. Uh, and she had, you know, a prevalent film career in the late 80s, early 90s before she kind of retired and became Mrs. Jet Li. And she's she's uh, she's in a pretty good film known as Pedicab Driver. That is correct. Very good. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, any final thoughts on this film? If if you're looking to smile, if you're looking to laugh, if you're looking to see like a film that does what so many of Jackie Chan's films try to do in the later 90s. This is the film to watch of uh, balancing the comedy and action and also not letting up. Just it's it's so well shot and it's a really special point in time. I think, like I said uh, earlier, in the 80s, the the world, the the films of Jackie Chan parallel, the films of Ringo Lam and Choi Hark and to have them intersect right in 1992 is just probably the perfect timing. We, we had already lost like Samo, Jackie and Yun Biao yep. working together by that point. So it was a beautiful time to intersect. Probably the only time they could have intersected. And everyone and, at their peaks in a sense still too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? What uh, about you? Like, I, I, you, I think you might have a, a slightly broader, I've, I've watched almost all Ringo Lamb films. Uh, my Choi Hark films are a little behind. Like, how did you feel about this this collaboration and and what are your final thoughts it just works and for me it's interesting i hadn't seen this movie since it first came out in america so i believe it was 99 is when it got its theatrical release and it's one of the ones uh once again people have to remember 1999 i was 12 years old i couldn't drive obviously and a lot of times you know even where i grew up we didn't have a movie theater you had to go to the next town over to go to the movie theater once again central valley california people <laughs> especially our international listeners that think california is la the entire state no there's a lot of remote spots in california even where i live now i was in the central valley farmland growing up so for a movie like twin dragons it may get released at one theater so i couldn't get anybody to go with me and if my brothers <laughs> didn't want to go then of course you know a parent's not going to drive you so i remember seeing it when it came out on vhs And just not really being as into it because of the fact that a lot of that slapstickish comedy, particularly kind of the uh, how to put this nicely, the almost like the sleazebag elements of Boomer, right? Like the womanizing. Like in this film, you get to see Jackie smoke, drink, uh, fornicate, putting it nicely, right? Like do all these and just be this obnoxious character because in your uh, in the viewer's mind, it's like, oh, that's not Jackie. That's that's the other Jackie, right? Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So it gets away with it. And it works brilliantly. But at that time, as I mentioned, like even the first time I saw uh, uh, My Lucky Stars, the action I thought was amazing, but I just couldn't get into the comedy because I'm like, these guys are a bunch of perverts. And so this movie is yeah. not like that at not all. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, but I just think as a as a kid, I just couldn't really get into. Uh, the the slapstick element of it which is really funny because i was a fan of classic hollywood cinema like uh charlie chaplin but i just think in comparison to the other films i was watching at that time of jackie's which were more predominantly martial arts based action and that was the other thing i always wanted and i was getting really into traditional kung fu movies at that time so this one kind of i remember watching it and i i should take that back if i say i didn't like it i liked it but i was just like "Eh, okay i don't really need to watch this again it was one of those for me now re-watching it i have a newfound appreciation especially as my experience uh, of, of being a viewer of Hong Kong cinema has uh, increased exponentially since then and becoming more familiar with such directors as Choi Hark uh, mm-hmm. and Ringo Lam. May he rest in peace also. Uh, and even for me, it, it's funny. Interestingly enough, I just recently rewatched uh, Full Contact with uh, oh, okay. Chow Yun-Fat and I hadn't yeah. watched it in years. And so... You definitely, hence why I was able to like almost instantly recognize when the action was that of Ringo Lamb style, right? And Ringo yes. Lamb, you know, he had a lot of 
pre-full contact, a lot of his films had more of a political context to them, right? And that's one of the mm-hmm. reasons even when he did full contact, he's like, and for those of you who don't know, it's a classic Chow Yun-Fat action movie from the early 90s set in Thailand and Hong Kong. It's on a lot of people's list of like top 50 action movies of all time. Definitely go give it a view. But this film's another movie where he doesn't have to have any sort of political subtext in it or anything like that. It's just him... And he also doesn't have to bear the responsibility of carrying an entire movie, right? You have two directors and you've got a star in Jackie who he himself can carry an entire film and contribute to the filmmaking process. So it's kind of cool. It's kind of like when you get those collaborative movies where it's like five short films with all these different directors. But instead, Mm -hmm. we get a continuous narrative and storyline where it's just you're getting multiple people working together and it working it, not becoming this chaotic, convoluted mess. Instead... It, for some reason, just works out great. And I think that has to go with you saying these guys at their peak. And also, you have to mention egos have to be put aside. And apparently, these guys just work really well together. And it was probably just a fun project for them. It wasn't like it's going to go down as, oh, this is a Choi Hark film or, oh, this is a Ringo Lamb film. It's People remember it as a Jackie film. So for the two of those guys to also jump on as directors, it's cool. They got to do probably a fun project for them, hang out with their friends, and make an overall great, entertaining movie, which I highly recommend. And it's a bummer. I literally waited 20 years to watch it again, uh, over 20 years, and I will not let that happen again. Yeah, it's absolute fun. Available on Tubi in yes. the English dub if you guys want. Um but yeah, if you can get your hands on the the Chinese cut, you get a, you get some extra scenes in there. And uh, pretty sure both. I have one because yeah, while I was living in China, you'd get these combo DVDs with like twenty yes. movies on them, really bad quality. But I'd be interested now to go back and watch the uh, Chinese version of it just to see what I miss, see what the music because like the music in this dub version is fine. It's nothing yep. you know distracting or incredibly better. It's just kind of like, uh, and the English dub, you know, once again, you get Jackie doing his own voice, which is appreciated. And for the most part, pretty good. There's a few lines where you're like, wait, what did Jackie say? <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're, I know exactly. There's one line where I have, I have no idea what he said, but then fortunately the camera goes down. Right. Like, okay. I'll buy it. Move on. Yeah. But otherwise, yes. Uh, readily available on Tubi, one of our favorite apps. Uh, it's a classic Hong Kong era action comedy that you may have not seen. And in honor of 2222, go ahead and give it a watch. Uh, well, when this drops on Monday, give it a watch this week, a week later. <laughs> yeah. But uh, any closing notes? No, it, 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 you you close it off perfectly. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to record again next weekend. I am actually going to be out of town next weekend, so we'll have to try to figure that out. Otherwise, uh, the following weekend... I will be seeing you where we will be recording. And for anybody listening to this, we will be attending the new Beverly double Kung Fu screening on Friday, March 11th, not March 10th. They're doing it on both nights, but on Friday, Mm -hmm. March 11th, I will be flying down to LA and we will be going to see two films, Tai Chi Master, AKA uh, Twin Dragons. No, not Twin Dragons, AKA Twin (laughs) Warriors. Sorry. Another twin in the title. You gotta love those uh, English uh, uh, Miramax releases. So Twin Warriors with uh, Jet Li, and then the second, uh, directed by Yuan Wuping, and the second film, Wing Chun, starring Michelle Yeoh and Mm -hmm. uh, Donnie Yen, also directed by Yuan Wuping. So we will be at that screening. So please come hang out, come say hello. We'll be in line. You'll see us. We'll be super nerdy. Uh, And obviously, I mean, uh, Twin Warriors has Michelle Yeoh in it as well, Chin Ho, a bunch of great people. So, uh, and I was just thinking uh, a few weeks back, I was like, man, I really need to rewatch Twin Warriors, aka Tai Chi Master. And then the new Beverly dropped their trailer for March, their March movies. I'm watching it. Oh, this looks so good. But, and then I see that. I'm like, oh no, I'm going to miss it because it's going to be a Monday night and there's no way I can make that. Then when it happened to be that Friday, I was already coming down. I switched my flight from the evening to the morning. I ended up taking mm-hmm. a day off from work. Originally, I was going to come late, late after work. I was like, nah, I'm taking the day off. I'm going to go see this. So we will be there. Uh, Maybe that's what we'll talk about. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. And once again, Tai Chi Master, a.k.a. uh, Twin Warriors, is one of my favorite, like, wire foo movies. It's one of those movies where it's definitely not wuxia, but it's not your straight-up grounded kung fu. It's that wire work blend, and it's probably my favorite movie of that style. 
just a lot of fun, some great, I've, incredible. I've only seen it once. I've only seen both of these once, so I'm excited. Yeah, so Wing Chun, I think I've only ever seen once. Uh, I rented it through the original Netflix DVD in the mail rental format. Uh-huh. And so I'm excited to see it on the big screen because I think I went into it, uh, first time watching it, wanting actual like real Wing Chun and straight up, there <laughs> it's not authentic Wing Chun. But so now I can separate myself from that and just enjoy a great Kung Fu movie about uh, the supposed you know uh legend of wing chun but which is really uh an apocryphal uh telling of the origins of wing chun but we digress we'll talk about that more when we record an episode on that note uh great great chat today my friend and we'll be doing this again soon i'm looking forward to it all right peace baby